everyone. Welcome back to JCM Prepare the Way podcast. I'm Mallory. And I'm Carol. And we're so grateful that you guys are joining us today. We are going to be going over another episode on the parables. So today we're going to be going over the parable of the virgins. So we're excited to jump in. But before we do, Carol, I know you just got back from a funeral service, which I know was really hard, but also there were some really sweet things at the same time that I know you wanted to share. So I'd love to hear more about what happened there. Yeah, thanks. Um, We did. We just returned back from a a family funeral on my husband's side. And I just want to make mention of something that took place at the service. You know, we go to these celebrations of life, right? And um, we have time of visitation. So we're visiting with distant relatives and friends and all kinds of stuff. But then we had to take our seats for the service itself. And the pastor that they had leading the service comes up to the pulpit And just opens up the whole um, service time with a question. And he looked at the group and just said, are you right with God? Do you know Jesus? And then from there, it went into a 20-minute message about the gospel, the true gospel message. It was so refreshing, number one, to hear it. Um, but two, he did not mince his words. He did not hold back, but he did it in profound love and really challenged people in their faith that your salvation where, or your life, you are going to end up somewhere eternally. Mm -hmm. You are going to either end up with Jesus Christ in heaven, or you're going to end up in hell, just putting it plainly. Mm -hmm. And so he really went on to say things like, you know, your good works is not going to get you into heaven. Your religious denomination you're part of is not going to get you to heaven. Your personal opinion is not going to get you into heaven. And he went through this whole thing and did actually a, a beautiful job painting a picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us, but also what's at stake if we don't understand it or we don't live it fully. And he ended up doing a um, altar call at the end, I guess is the best way to say it. And 21 people got saved at this service. Wow. Yeah, so it was really great. And I just wanted to mention that because it really ties in beautifully with what we're talking about today on the parable of the virgins. Because this this is a parable that causes quite a bit of struggle with us because they're all believers, but half of them don't make it. So we're going to dig into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, I think today people are just craving just the truth. No more of the feel goods. And I think that's why 21 people got saved is because it is just pure truth. People are looking for that. And I think that's an encouragement to all of us and just so refreshing to hear that word. Um, But, you know, And so since this is our fourth episode on parables, maybe Carol, you could just refresh everyone, our listeners on what the meaning of a parable is again. Yeah, sure. Happy to, you know, um, as we said in the very first one, I think on the sowing of the seed parable that in the Greek, the word parable actually means similitude. And what it does is it's basically, um, it, signifies a comparison. We're offering a comparison of something. And in the Bible, the point of a parable is to offer a spiritual lesson because it compares something against something else. And there's many parables in the Bible, even in your Old Testament, even though the word quote parable may not be seen directly, uh, it, it they are there in the Hebrew. 
Well, uh, in the New Testament, Jesus highlights them very plainly when he says, like, now hear a parable, right? And Jesus, when he shared parables, for the most part, they conveyed truths that were connected to the subject of the kingdom of God. And so when you read his parables, the comparison he's making is with the kingdom of God and then something we can relate it to in our lives so that it challenges us to live differently, to live according to this kingdom that he's from and making us part of it. So as we go through parables, you'll see that this is the point that's essentially being made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. And, you know, before we jump in and read the text, we're about to do that of this parable, which we find in Matthew 25. We should also understand the context in which Jesus is speaking, where he's coming from. So this parable, it's actually a continuation of the conversation that we find in Matthew 24, just the chapter right before. So in Matthew 24, Jesus, he's talking about the end of the age or what a lot of people called um, or call end times you know, what signs they'll be seeing that will signify that it's the time of Jesus' return. Yeah, it's actually referred to um, by a lot of people as his end times discourse. Matthew 24, Mark chapter 13, Luke 21. And so these are three key chapters in the Gospels where he talks about the end times. But what I find interesting, remember, the Bible was never written with chapters and verses. So if someone was reading the Gospels, they would just move continuously through um, the different topics. Well, it would have flowed very well leading up to this parable of the virgins, actually to multiple parables, because what happened is in chapter 23, That's the chapter of woes, and woes were considered curses in the Bible. And this is a chapter where Jesus is actually cursing, um, uh, stating woes against the religious establishment at the time, mainly for missing the whole point of his coming. They bolstered themselves up with wealth and pride, but they never truly cared about the souls of the people because they ended up laying upon them all these traditions of men rather than the true ways of the Lord. And so he has this whole chapter of condemnation. Then he moves from this to Matthew 24, which is then all about what's going to take place before his return. And we're actually doing a revelation series right now for any of you who maybe haven't tuned into it that I highly encourage you to listen to because we're actually going chapter by chapter and we're even going um, letter by letter. There's seven letters in Revelation of, for churches. So if you want to learn more about the end times, then tune into those. But if you do, just make sure you make the time frame because we're not a fast food ministry and God's word is not meant to be a sound bite. So we take our time and go through them. So if you want to learn about it, please tune in. But, but make sure you give yourself time to dig in. But the point is this, those two chapters, 23 and 24, they set the tone for five kingdom parables that come right after. Parables that are given to stress the importance of being ready to meet the Lord. I highly encourage you to go and read those five parables. And so in other words, a lot is going to take place um, as God starts to close out history and history is his story. And so some of those things are going to take place They are really going to challenge our faith. So these parables are so key 
in order to understand where we are in our faith. And that's what this parable today is so good at challenging us with. Because he wants us to be ready. He wants to make sure, do you know me? Because that's his question at the end of today's parable. I don't know you. And so that would be such a frightening thing to hear personally. And so um, not about knowing of him, but do we really know him in our heart? Are we getting to know him better? Is he a priority for us? Because everyone, no matter who you are, we are all going to feel the impact of the coming of the Lord. We are all going to feel the squeezing, the pressing as it draws near. Mm -hmm. And as you'll see, again, he makes a striking point on this lesson in the parable of the virgins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so good. Well, I'm going to start off by reading. So it's found in Matthew 25, starting in verse 5. It says, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both of us and you. And said, Go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Wow. It doesn't matter how many times I either hear that read, that tail end, Mm -hmm. or read it myself. It's just a while to me because I don't quite know what to do with those words. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, did you want me to start? Yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Right off the bat, I just wanted to point something out really important that a lot of times we miss when we read it. And that's the number 10. There's 10 virgins and everything in scripture has meaning, meaning, including numbers. You know, 10 is actually a number that means completeness and completeness of an order or a cycle. Let me give you some examples. For instance, uh, in Genesis 1, the phrase God said was spoken 10 times. Um, A tenth of the earnings in the Old Testament was given. Um, There were 10 generations of man that lived on the earth before the floodwaters came. The Passover lamb is selected on the 10th day of the first month. Jesus is the Passover lamb. The Day of Atonement, the holiest day for the Jews, it is on the 10th day of the seventh month. We have the Ten Commandments. There were the Ten Plagues or Judgments in Egypt during the time of Moses. In the story of Esther, the evil son Haman, who was trying to completely wipe out the Jewish people, he had 10 sons and all of them were hanged. Um, There were 10 lepers that Jesus refers to and there's just so much more. So 10 is a really important number for uh, scripture. And this parable, there are 10 virgins, 10 Jewish virgins. 
And keep in mind, this is a Middle Eastern book written by Middle Eastern people in a Middle Eastern culture. And so we are talking about some of the things that would have taken place in those cultures. Well, 10 is also the representative number of a congregation. In Judaism, a minion was at least 10 persons. And you needed to have 10 persons be present before public prayers could be offered. And so, for example, in the story of Paul, when he meets Lydia and she's by the riverside with people and they're praying, that was a congregation of 10 people. They could pray in group, large groups of 10. So here we have 10 virgins, a minion, which is a representative of a congregation. And in scripture, there's always something that is called a type that is like a picture of some other point that God is trying to make. Remember, we're trying to do a comparison. So here in this, this representative, this congregation of women, they are waiting for the return of the bridegroom, where it said in the parable, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Well, the comparison being made here is that the 10 virgins represents believers in Jesus because Jesus is the bridegroom. And so that's the comparison that's being made. Believers are also called the church, just so you know. It's not about a church building. It's about the body, the people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. So we're called the body of Christ. It doesn't matter where you live in the world. We're also called saints in the Bible. We're also called the elect of God. So just to clarify that, but any person who has made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior is a believer, is part of a congregation of believers. And so this is a parable that is a picture of that because we all have our bridegroom that we're waiting for who is Jesus. And Jesus is giving this parable to show first a completion of a cycle by the use of the number 10. And this cycle is the end of the age. It's a picture of him finally coming for his bride, his body, his church. And what I love is the parable, it opens with how they were all expecting the bridegroom. They all knew who, who he, he was coming. So the whole congregation, they're believers. They're not unbelievers. Everyone was expecting Jesus, so to speak. They all have lamps and they all have oil. And almost always oil is a type or it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So they all have the Holy Spirit in their lives. And lastly, they all slumber, both the wise and the foolish. So let's break this down a little bit more. How's that sound? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so good, Carol. Well, yeah, let's keep talking about that oil because that's a huge part of this parable here. That's the main part of the story. You know, what was that oil? What does that mean for us? And so, like you said, you know, oil has meant, it's meant a few things throughout the Bible, but mostly the main meaning for what it's meant, and especially for this context, it's signifying the power and the presence of God's Holy Spirit. And so when someone think of people in the Old Testament, there was a lot of anointings in the Bible. It signifies that they were marked, they were filled with God's Holy Spirit. And Jesus, he was referred to many times in the Bible as the anointed one. Mm. He was anointed. He was filled with God's Holy Spirit. 
And so, you know, we know that when we receive salvation, we're marked with God's promised Holy Spirit. God promised us that his spirit would indwell in us. And Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So that's how we know that. So at that salvation, we know that we're given that Holy Spirit, but then from this place, we're called to be continually filled with the Spirit of God. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about in this parable here. You know, it's not just enough to have your lamp and a little bit of oil, you know, just that receiving of the Spirit, but we are to constantly come to the Father in relationship with Him to be filled. And even think of Ephesians 5.8, it says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. And so to go back to Jesus, he was that perfect example of this. He was constantly in prayer. He knew and he recited the scriptures. He was in relationship with the Father and he was consistently filling himself with the Father. And that's the same thing for us. And that's a really good place to kind of stop and ask ourselves this question. You know, most of us listening out there, most of you guys probably have received salvation, but do you have that reserve oil on you? Because, you know, whether you realize it or not, every day you're filling yourself with something. You're, everyone has habits in their life, whether they're good, whether they're bad, whether intentional, whether they're unintentional. You know, you fill yourself with these activities. And, you know, the people who you spend time with, how you spend your time alone. So how are you filling yourself? Are you filling yourself with the things of this world? Or are you filling yourself with that oil of the Holy Spirit that is so important and crucial for this last day to come? And receiving more of his spirit, it really just looks like spending time in his word, exactly what Jesus did, worshiping, spending time in prayer. And this is the way that we create that reserve of oil so that we are ready for that return because we know that this time it comes unexpectedly. First um, Thessalonians 5.2 says that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And it's interesting. There's so many verses I think of this verse. They all, you know, they all just tie together exactly what this was. It came like a thief in the night. They were unexpected. So, yeah. Okay. You said so many good things in there. I don't even know what to start with. <laughs> But um, I, I just, you had mentioned Jesus and prayer and all of that. And, you know, it does it, it's every morning, that's where his disciples found him, you know, mm -hmm. for several hours, he ushered in the day in prayer. And, um, and then they went out and did all those miraculous things, mm -hmm. but it always started there. He was up late praying. Yes, it was, it was yeah. all of it. And so, you know, and I want you all to think about, at least this happens to me, I, I faithfully, I need my prayer time. And if I don't have my prayer time, I'm out of whack. Or if you haven't been with the Lord in a few weeks and you feel it, I mean, you mm -hmm. feel it when you're in relationship, it would be like cutting yourself off from someone you're in a close relationship here on earth, your spouse, a good friend, a different family member, somebody else. And all of a sudden you don't talk to them for a month after you talk to them every single solitary day. Mm -hmm. There's something about the relationship that changes. It gets, it's different. And mm -hmm. so maintaining that relationship is so key. And, and you mentioned also Mallory, um, that Jesus was referred many times in the Bible as the anointed one, that he was anointed. He was filled with God's Holy spirit and friends. That's what Messiah, the word Messiah means. Mashiach in Hebrew, Messiah, means 
anointed one. It means chosen one. Christos, Christ, is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew term. See, in the Old Testament times, and Mallory touched on this, people were anointed with oil. The prophets, the priests, the kings, they were anointed by oil when they were set apart for these positions of responsibility. And the anointing, like Mallory alluded to, was a sign that God had chosen them and consecrated them for the work he had given them to do. Well, what office does Jesus fulfill? All of them. Jesus is prophet, he is priest, and he is king. So he is Mashiach. He is the Messiah. He is Christos. He's the anointed one. He is the chosen one. So oil is significant. That's why it even says in, I believe, James, that if there are the sick among you, get the oil, anoint them with oil and pray Mm -hmm. over them. It's just symbolic and it's uh, just something you're doing in faith. Well, back to the parable, the only difference these virgins had, five were wise, five were foolish, is the amount of oil they each had. The wise had oil enough and some to spare. The foolish do not have a reserve of oil. So they asked the five wise to give them some. Note, there's no middle category. There's no, there's nobody in between. You either had oil or you were out of oil. And so the wise said to the foolish, no, go and buy oil. It has to be bought. It is not a gift. Initially, yes, the Holy Spirit is a gift, but if we want to remain filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a price to pay. Think about putting gas in your car today. We all run out of gas. Well, what a price we're paying right now, right? There's a price to pay. Whether you have an electric vehicle or something, everybody gets depleted at some point. And so you have to go and get filled up. But if your life stays continually busy, like Mallory was saying, you stay depleted. And then all of a sudden, all the distractions of the world completely rob you of your time with the Lord in this relationship. And then what happens? All of those thoughts of the world bombard your mind. And then all of a sudden, you're living from a place of fear again and not faith. You're living from different places and not from the source of what we should be living from, which is the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah, I just want to add something because I was thinking about this today as we're preparing for this. And I just think of those words from Jesus. And I've heard so many people say, well, that was just a metaphor. Think of those verses where Jesus said, is your eye causing you to sin? Gouge it out. Is your arm causing you to sin? Cut it off. I think because he's like, it's better to cut it off than otherwise it's like a millstone around your neck in the lake. Something like that. (laughs) I might be mixing verses here. But <laughs> um, just laughing, but but it's so going. true. I think people think of that as a metaphor, and you know, I was even thinking about how many people, me included, is your phone an issue? I mean, I'm seriously like, do I go to a flip phone? But I think but then that thought is like, oh no, I could never go to flip phone today. But then I think about that verse, like, what are the distractions in our life, and get serious about it because there is that coming day of the Lord. So just what you said that made me think about that. No, it's so true. I was just telling my husband, I, the world is so noisy. 
Mm-hmm. It's just noise. It's obnoxious noise now. It went from being kind of noisy to noisy. Now it's obnoxious. Like you can't pull yeah. up anything on social media, even on the news. I've literally, I just told him, I said, I'm taking a, a fast yeah. from all of that stuff because it, it distracts me from the Lord. It distracts me from being filled up. Mm-hmm. You know, and as I was saying, you know, the, again, the, the Holy Spirit is initially a gift. But if we want to remain filled, there is a price to pay. You know what Jesus says to the church in Laodicea in the book of Revelation chapter 3 is in so many ways a picture of churches in places like America today. When he says, because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye that you may see. You know, God's markets are open every day, friends. And we find ourselves on dangerous ground if we don't consider that. In fact, Jesus himself calls five of these believers Foolish, foolish, you didn't prepare, foolish. Like we've said before, you know, we're prepping for all kinds of things right now, right? I just had somebody ask me about that yesterday. Are you buying all your food? But yet we're not prepping, many of us, where it really counts. Mm -hmm. And so how is it, going back to the parable, that the foolish didn't have enough oil? Well, like Mallory said from Ephesians 5.8, don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Most people in the church focus on only on that negative command, be, don't, don't be drunk with wine, mm-hmm. and ignore the positive command of be filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, if it's a considered a sin by many to be drunk with wine, wouldn't it also be considered a sin to not be filled with the Holy Spirit? And that means not only be filled, but continually filled. And sadly, I know we've talked about this, Mallory, but many of us quench the Holy Spirit, the fullness of him, mainly out of fear. We don't know what our lives will look like if we fully surrender to him. Listen, let me tell you something. You know, when we become a Christian, life doesn't get easier. In fact, it gets harder because now you're on the narrow path. Now, all of a sudden, you're coming out from society. You're not looking like everybody else. And guess what? That's not very popular. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing in the meantime, as soon as we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit is immediately at work sloughing off old patterns and habits and helping us put on Christ, right? Then years later, as I was going through this in my own personal experience, I'm going through all this transformation. And then all of a sudden, something Something happened to me with the Holy Spirit, friends, and I received the fullness of the Holy Spirit when I had a personal encounter. And I think also when I was in a place to actually not fear it anymore, but to receive it. And when I, when that happened, things got even harder because now I was fully in, fully surrendered. And anyone can, anybody can tell you who knows me, I changed. I went 
from being probably mediocre to full pursuit of the Lord, full surrender. My prayer life changed. My walk changed. My priorities changed. Everything radically changed. But it was because of the Holy Spirit. And today, my family, my friends, all of you, you know what I mean when I say, I'm in prayer time. It's a priority for me. It's not only having been you know, it's not only having been filled with the Holy Spirit years ago, but every day going into prayer time to be filled again every day. And you know what I always pray? I always pray, fill my lamp full, trim my wick. Well, what did these virgins do? They trimmed their wick. And that word actually trimming uh, in this scripture means set my life in order. Hmm. And so I want my life in order. I want my wick trimmed. I want my lamp full, which is what we are. We are called the lamps of the Lord. We are filled with his anointing. I want to be filled with his anointing to the fullness. I don't want to settle. I do not like lukewarm Christianity. I'm telling you, you're either going to be hot or you're going to be cold. Well, I, I don't care. I, I don't care what people think when I run hot. <laughs> and, and so, but, but, but the point is it's costly. It's not always convenient to go do my prayer time for a long period of time, especially when we have plans. And I had this thing, this sign hanging in my kitchen for a while, and it said, and then I took it down to paint my kitchen. I can't find it, so I got to find it. But it said, he who kneels before God can stand before anyone. Well, friends, when our lamps are full, when we've surrendered and continue to surrender, you don't fear people. You don't fear their opinions of you. You don't fear who they are on the social ladder. You fear nothing. You don't even fear if they gossip about you. You only fear the Lord. That is a fruit. That is a result of your lamp being full. Well, all of these 10 virgins, they have the initial filling of the Holy Spirit, but because they don't all have the continual refilling, and I don't know what their story is to not have that continual refilling, some of them aren't ready. So Mallory, you touched on this. How do you get filled and refilled? I mean, surrender and time, time with him, for sure. It's costly. And I'm not talking 15 minutes. I mean, we spend longer than that scrolling through phones in a day. We spend longer than that on a hike with a friend. We spend longer than that at a happy hour, right? But what's it going to cost you to build up a routine where you spend an hour with the Lord every day? Ask him to help you. Ask him to fill you with the fullness of his spirit. Ask him to help you read and meditate on his word. Go into prayer for 30 minutes, friends, asking for nothing. Just sit in silence listening or thanking him. Do that for a month straight and see what happens. Mm -hmm. See, the thing is we need to build up our spiritual muscle. We're building up our bodies on a regular basis, but Paul says that'll profit you nothing. Mm -hmm. So... I just want to ask, you know, what needs to get sacrificed on the altar for you in order to get to know the Lord in order to be ready? Mm -hmm. So, so good, Carol. I love that. Um, I feel pretty fired up after that. I'm going to go home and have some <laughs> quiet time, sit and listen. And um, Yeah, but, you know, let's talk about how the bridegroom, you know, he took so much longer than the virgins were expecting. They were there you know, only half of them were prepared for that long night and then the other half were not. But ultimately, all the virgins, they just became tired and they ended up falling asleep. And no one, none of these virgins, they weren't expecting for the bridegroom to take that long. 
and I even think about Jesus' disciples in the early church, you know, just learning about them more and more and reading their letters, you could feel their urgency. I mean, mm-hmm. I really think that they believe that Jesus would be back so soon, like in their lifetime, maybe. I'm sure they never would have thought that it would be over 2,000 years later until Jesus would return. Plus, you know, and they were ready for Jesus to come back. There was this urgency that they had for the gospel to spread it and to be ready for his return. But, you know, then decades go by and thousands of years have passed and Jesus, he still has not returned. And so what has happened? I think a lot of us have just fallen asleep. You know, we've grown weary. We've grown tired. We've uh, come up with a lot of different theologies in the meantime, like the prosperity gospel and, you know, so many different things. And Honestly, we've just lost this sense of urgency because it just has not come yet. But that's why Jesus, exactly why he is telling us to not do, do not grow weary. And this was his kindness to warn him. He knew that we would be in to this. To warn us. To warn us. Yeah. What did I say? To warn him. To warn him. It's <laughs> <laughs> warning us. Warning us. But yeah. You know, he knew that we'd be in this time of history where we've been waiting for so long and that's why he gave us this parable he gave it so we so he could encourage us to stay ready to be prepared because he is coming back soon and are we going to that wedding bank with him or are we not and this is the real reality Jesus is reminding us that there will be a real day that we go into the wedding banquet with him or we are shut out forever with the devil where we learn that there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and this should instill the fear of the Lord in us. You know, we're to reminded we're reminded to be to stay sober minded and alert, like First Peter five nine says. And that's why we're going over these parables. That honestly, you know, we were talking about before. These aren't really talked about in churches. They're not really touching these subjects. And it's and the reason why we're going over these is because we want you all to be prepared, to be alert, to be ready for that day. The Bible calls this day the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Ask yourself, will this be a great day where the Lord says, come into the banquet hall, or will it be that terrible day where you are shut out of the kingdom forever? There are so many amens in there. (laughs) If you could see me behind the scenes with Mallory and like doing all these hand motions, because I'm trying not to be interrupted, but I'm being interrupted at the same time. Sometimes she does do these hand gestures and it is like encouraging, but it totally like gets me off whack. I'm like, what are you trying to say? What are they saying? <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, that was that was really, really well said. Um, you know, those foolish virgins who have to go and buy oil find that it's too late. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's what I think your warning was and what you just said. It's golly, it is it you know, friends, we have to consider what's at stake stake we have to consider this we have been taught some false gospels over Mm -hmm. the years i'm going to tell you there's a lot of undoing that needs to happen in the church i'm just even in myself some of the things that i learned from well-known well-respected people and then you start digging into the word yourself and you're like that's not at all what it says so they have to they find that it's too late when they go to buy oil when they return the door is shut. And Jesus says, I never knew you. I mean, that about makes me sick thinking mm-hmm. about that, honestly. You know, a congregation, 10, it's a picture of people who consider themselves believers. And he shuts 
half of them out. I mean, friends, it's time to get serious about your faith. I hope to God out there, you are not taking your faith for granted. And I just read a whole nother poll. There are three polls, Barna's, Gallup's, and Pew's. They are all screaming from the rooftops right now that we're in trouble Mm -hmm. in our Christian faith because no one's hardly reading their Bibles and they're all embracing the mixture and they are sounding the alarm. Friends, I'm telling you, don't mess around. Don't go down the wide path of destruction just because it's popular. It is hard to walk the narrow path. And that's why Jesus said, few find it. But I'm going to tell you, it'll work out for you in the end if you follow and heed the words of Jesus. You know, in the beginning, I asked a question. You know, I was telling you that story about that pastor. You know, are you right with God? Are you right with his son, Jesus Christ? your bridegroom. The Bible says no one can get to the Father except through Jesus, his son. So if you say that you are right, if you say or think that you are all right with God, but you don't acknowledge his son, Jesus, who is the door to the Father, guess what? You're not all right. I say that in love, but it's the truth. Friend, the Messiah, Mashiach, shed his very blood to pay the price for your soul, my soul, Mallory's soul, my children's soul, the anybody's soul, everybody's soul, to purchase us out of the kingdom of darkness where we all find ourselves all the way back to the garden, right? And it's only by faith in him and his atoning work on the cross where we he can reconcile people back to himself. Jesus Christ became that bridge. He is the way, the truth, the life. I'm sorry, but the shaman is not the way, the truth, and the life. Your yoga teacher is not the way, the truth, and the life. Um, Hinduism and Buddhism are not the way, the truth, and the life. Check out our podcast early on about the truth about Christianity. Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the life to redeem you from the kingdom of darkness, from the pit of hell, and transfer you spiritually into his kingdom today. If this is something you want, even if you don't understand it all yet, we want to pray with you right now. Mm-hmm. First, according to the Bible and the way they did it in the Gospels and the way that the apostles did it, you have to believe. Even if you only have the faith of a mustard seed, the size of the tip of a ballpoint pen, it's your starting point. Start there. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Friends, he, you know what? The Roman government was so motivated to find a body because of everything that was going on. But guess what? They never did because he is the resurrection and the life. And even after the scourging he took and he was raised from the dead, he showed himself to all kinds of people, hundreds of people for 40 days straight to prove that he was the resurrection and the life. And then when he ascended to his father in heaven is when he poured out his spirit so then he could live within every single person who placed their faith in him and then to take this message of good news to every corner of the world. So the very first place to begin is just believe, even if it's on a small scale, believe. Mm -hmm. Then repent. Repent of your unbelief. Repent of sins, the lifestyles we've lived. I was right there, friends. You have no idea. I was repenting of things from the third grade. I mean, repent whatever he shows you. Then be baptized. Find someone to baptize you in a river, in a bathtub, at your church. 
be baptized. It shows it is a testimony that you are ridding yourself of your old life and beginning a, a life anew with Jesus Christ. It is a strong testimony. Then receive the Holy Spirit. This is how it was taught in the scriptures and how we now teach it to you to pass on. Re- believe, repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. Today, what we're teaching, Mallory, maybe you can agree, we're teaching, hey, ask Jesus into your heart and receive Jesus. It says that nowhere in the Gospels or in the New Testament. But instead, it says believe, it says repent, it says be baptized, and then it says receive the Holy Spirit. That's what's lacking today. I'm sorry, but I'm just so passionate. I was looking at a room, hundreds of people at a funeral service of someone who died suddenly last week. Our life, friends, we are not guaranteed tomorrow. Today is the day of your salvation. Today. Today. And it says that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. And you know what it means for Jesus to be Lord? It's to be Lord of it all. Lord of your life. That means you surrender He is now your Lord that you come up under. He's not a passing fancy. He's not your get out of hell free card. He becomes your Lord. And it's the beginning of a life that is transformed. It doesn't mean your problems are going to disappear, but it does mean you have all of heaven on your side to be loved. You have all of heaven on your side where the Holy Spirit is going to immediately come into those vacant places, those abandoned places, those wounded places, those sick places, those hurt places, and begin a work in you to grow you in the knowledge of God, to be your comforter, to be your teacher, to be your helper, to show you the love of Jesus Christ in your life, and to help you become an overcomer in this world. That's what it's all about. And there is no other religion on the face of the earth that offers you that. None. Believe me, I've done my research. None. So friends, we want to close because this is too vital of a message, this parable of the virgins. The last thing I want from my life, my children, anybody I know, is to have the door shut and say, I never knew you. Mm-hmm. So do you want to lead us in a prayer? Um, no, you need to pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, you pray. no you, you keep going are you sure yeah I'm sure. well friends if you're out there and you're listening to this even if you just need to re- rededicate your life back to the Lord mm-hmm. just sit where you are if you're able if you're in your car and you can't bow your head that's fine just quiet everything around you but if you're in a place where you can sit for a moment bow your head and pray with us and if you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and it, call on him tell him that you believe And then take time after this call to repent of your sins. Figure out where you can get baptized and then receive the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I receive you. I want all that you have for me. So, Father, in the name of the Most High Jesus Christ, the name of whose we are and whom we serve today, the name that at every knee will bow of every creature in heaven, every creature on the earth and every creature under the earth, and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. Lord, we are asking you to move mightily right now by the power of your spirit, the spirit that is 
works exceedingly powerful towards those who believe. Lord, we are asking for that spirit right now, your spirit to be released upon all the listeners hearing this message right at this moment. And Lord, we are asking you to reveal Yeshua, Jesus, Mashiach, Messiah, Christos, Christ, to every person who was listening to this, that they all receive the anointing of him right now, that the veil is lifted from their heart, their mind, their spirit, their soul, to see Jesus as he really is. Father God, we ask that you move with your spirit upon them to reveal to them the places and the things that need to be repented of right now in Jesus' name. And we pray that, Father God, you also lead them into a baptism of water. Show them, bring a friend into their life, bring to their mind who they can reach out to, Lord, to get baptized. And then now, Lord, we pray that they receive the Holy Spirit. Lord God Almighty, Mallory and I are holding out our hands, and we are just Mm -hmm. asking you to let every one of these listeners receive the Holy Spirit right now, Lord. Fill them every inch of their life to the fullness of who you are and help them come to know the length, the depth, the height, the width, to know the love of Messiah Jesus that surpasses knowledge so they are all filled with the fullness of him. And may it be, Lord, in that day when you come for us, that you will hold that door open for every single one of us, Lord. And we will all have our lamps full and ready in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Carol, thank you so much. I'm just so grateful for what God has done in you and through you. And I'm touched by this. I'm going to go home and repent. (laughs) I'm sure everyone else out there. Just so wonderful. I'm just so grateful for you. So, You guys, thank you so much for listening today. And if anything in this touched you or you want to share a testimony or something like that, please reach out to us. Um, Again, our email is preparetheway at jcmcolorado.com. And I guess we'll see you next time. Yep. Take care.